Hi, everyone. I'm Sherry, and this is my co-host, Dawn. Hi, everybody. So, so how are you doing, Dawn? I'm doing great. I'm super excited to be here. I can't wait to delve into all this. It's crazy. I know. I know. Girl, this case, whew, it has been a rabbit hole. You hear me? Like, one after the other. And it's like some real-life soap opera. Oh, so yeah. I, the cast of characters. There's so many. I was like, who's who? I, I was losing count of who was who. <laughs> it is a, a real life soap opera. And, you know, I'm not trying to laugh or make light of the situation at hand because it is serious and it is still ongoing. But, you know, it is I felt like I was reading a script for a soap opera. Oh, yeah. Most of that stuff, the true crime, when you're watching it on TV, it, it doesn't even seem like it could be real. Like nobody could even make that stuff up. Uh, it's crazy. But yeah, this one's a, a definite busy one. Yeah, I was I was wondering what you thought. Starting not to send you the notes just to see your firsthand reaction. But then I was like, there's so much. I probably do need to give her a heads up. <laughs> yeah, well. It makes you wonder, like, where the kids are now, you know, hearing the story because the boys being older. But anyway, we'll get to all that. Yes. So are you ready to dive in? I am. Let's do it. Okay. This is the case of Karen Swift. born January 25th, 1967 in Illinois, uh, Galesburg, Illinois, as a matter of fact. Um, she was beautiful, blonde hair, green eyes, and uh, she was just a very active, physically fit person. Um, they, uh, Her friends said she liked to stay, um, stay fit. Um, in high school, she received numerous trophies from running track. And after she graduated, she continued to um, do fitness and run 5Ks. And uh, she chose a career as a fitness instructor with the local YMCA. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 1989, she married David Swift. And they had four beautiful children. Um, at the time of her disappearance in 2011, Karen and David's sons were in college and the two daughters were ages seven and nine. So very young. From all accounts, they were the definition of your all-American family. I know I sent you the pictures of them. Oh, yeah. yeah and they just look like your average all-American family, the family next door that you would want to invite over for a barbecue or something. So, yeah. And the children were beautiful, beautiful yeah. children. Um, 
But we all know that what's portrayed uh, is sometimes not reality. Yeah, uh, it never is. <laughs> not sometimes, <laughs> just never. That Facebook happiness, you know. <laughs> Facebook, yes. So, um, the truth came out that Karen actually filed for divorce 20 days before she disappeared. Well, and I don't want to give a spoiler if you were going to say this, but didn't it say somewhere that they had been married and divorced before? Exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. They had been I thought that's what I read. Before and then remarried. Okay. So. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Um, so Karen's boss, Randy Butler, stated in an article that Karen was just a wonderful person and a wonderful employee. Um, her friends and family described her as very outgoing, beautiful, bubbly personality. By all accounts, she was an amazing mother and, and a wonderful friend. Um, the last time that Karen was seen alive by her friends was October the 29th at a Halloween party at the Farms Clubhouse, which was a country club there in um, Dyersburg, Tennessee. Um According to WREG, uh, Karen left the party between uh, 1.30 and 1.45 to pick up her car, left the party between 1.30 and 1.45 p.m. to pick up her car from a friend's house and then to pick up one of her daughters who was not feeling well. And I say p.m., but actually it was a.m. Right, um, right. It's 1.30 a.m., because um, the phone records even show that she made some phone calls to David um, and to Ashley, her daughter. Yeah, her daughter was like um, at a slumber party or something and didn't yes. feel good. So yes. she called her mom. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, afterwards, she returned home um, and she shared with her soon-to-be ex-husband, David Swift, uh, that she shared with her soon-to-be ex-husband, David Swift. Um, and so technically David was the last person to see her alive. Right. Okay. So, um, he told, um, the deputies that, um, Karen tucked in the daughter that was sick, um, and then laid down with her and she must've left the house for some unknown reason. One of her friends spotted her car on the side of the road, less than a quarter mile from the house and called Dyer County Sheriff's Department. The car had a flat tire. Uh, later, there was in another article, it said that there was like a roofing nail or mm -hmm. a, a screw in it. There was something in it that caused it to go flat. And, um, but Karen and her purse were gone. They were nowhere around the vehicle. One report said that the costume that she even wore to the Halloween party was also in the car. I wonder what she was dressed as. <laughs> I know. Well, it's Catwoman. Oh. I researched it. She was Catwoman for well, a Well, she week could party. pull it off. She had a really cute she figure. Was. Like, she was in shape for sure. Yes, yes. She was very beautiful. But I did do some research to see, you know, what she was dressed as, if she was still in her Halloween costume. But she had apparently taken that off. Okay. Um, she got the daughter home. Uh, volunteers. And uh, personnel from the Sheriff's Department, Tennessee Highway Patrol, helicopters, fire and rescue, the Shelby County Sheriff's Department um, all came out 
looking, scoping, trying to find her. They did, you know, aerial searches to see if they could find any movement. Um, the hopes were dashed of finding her about six weeks later when some, supposedly some hunters mm-hmm. found her next to a cemetery just off of Harness Road and uh, Burnt Mill Road in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Is it is that a really small town? It is. It's a small community. Six very weeks. rural area. Six weeks sounds like a long yeah. time for them to not find her if it's that small of a town. Well, they said that um, her body was, uh, her remains were concealed in kudzu vines and uh, brush. And it was kind okay. of overgrown. But the whoever the hunter was um, saw part of her limbs sticking up. Oh, jeez. Can you imagine walking up on that? No, God, no. I would it's, run away. Well, it's her body was so decomposed that they were only able to identify her through dental records. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, hearing all of that, it seems like a pretty clear-cut case of, you know, who did it, who the suspects were. and Yeah, it's you know, like the husband. <laughs> I Always. knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Always the husband. It is. But, <laughs> uh, but it's really not so clear cut. Um, shortly after her body was found, the judge sealed everything in the case. Just Yeah, that's bizarre. It, it is very bizarre, and including her autopsy and the cause of death. So when they seal that, that means done. It's done. I'm not going to investigate it any further. No, no. They they can still investigate it, but they're not releasing any information to the public or to the media. Oh. Nothing. Not public record. It's sealed. They're still investigating, but they are concerned about leaks or they're concerned about um, evidence getting out. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. everybody. I am Dawn, the host of Dawnversations, and it's a variety show. It's a show about everything and nothing and everything in between. I have talked to astrologists and psychics, marriage counselors, country music artists, uh, an actress from Stranger Things, a death doula, stand-up comedian, like you name it. We talk about it, and it's just a fun, lighthearted show um, in most cases. We cover some deep stuff sometimes, but it's just a fun show, and I would love for you to come listen. It's really meant for entertainment only, like you're eavesdropping on somebody sitting at a restaurant next to you, and uh, yeah, I'm just having a blast with it. So hopefully you will come listen, and if you have any desire to reach out or be on my show, you can find me at Donversations at gmail.com or on all the social media links under Donversations Podcast. So yeah, hope to hear from you. Thanks, guys. Yo. 
So uh, in 2018, Burton Staggs, who is a journalist at the Tennessee River Valley News in Wayne County, filed an open records report to request the autopsy. And the Tennessee State Medical Examiner gave it to him. Yeah, that's crazy that they were just like, yeah, like, oh, somebody must have been filling in that day. (laughs) <laughs> didn't didn't get the that's memo. What I'm that's what I'm thinking. You know, do you not put a note on your file right. that says it's sealed? But now Burton Staggs is he's the one who later brought in um Heather Cohen Rawlings, who mm-hmm. was the investigator. She got caught up in uh some stuff. Some people filed suit against her. I mean, there's lawsuits flying all over this case. Uh, but Burton I just talked with him on Facebook. He's actually there at Dyersburg, Tennessee now, trying to find out a little bit more information because this is, you know, going to trial in yeah, October. Yeah, right. Yeah, we so, that part. I mean, just within the last hour, uh, he and I were messaging back. So he's going to fill me in on the tea when he gets some. So. Oh, my God. I love it. Shout out to you, Burton. Thank you. (laughs) So, um, well, according to the autopsy that they gave uh, Burton, she died from blunt force trauma to the head. Karen was partially clothed. She was too decomposed to determine if she had been sexually assaulted, but she had several broken bones. Wow. So, of course, her death was ruled a homicide. Somebody ran up on her very quickly. She didn't even have time to get her hands up and protect herself at all. A crushing blow to the head. This was obviously an act of extreme rage. Uh, That was a quote from uh, private detector of justice warriors, Heather Cohen Rawlings, um, to Fox 17 in 2019. Well, and they say when it's so... um full of rage and so aggressive, it's usually somebody that's close to the person. It's not just a random person that's going to go and do, do that, be so excessive. So Exactly. Oh. And the blunt force trauma to the head and then the broken bones on top, that was personal. Yeah, that was, for sure. And no defensive wounds that they could see. Yeah, there was something, something very angry and personal about that. Mm-hmm. This right here gets me. I mean, it just really does. It took them eight years to give this case file to Dyer County Sheriff's Office um, District Attorney. Yeah, where where was it? Just sitting at his desk? They were investigating. Or ignoring, hoping it would just go away. Exactly. Exactly. Dyer County uh, Sheriff Jeff Box told WMC Action News back in October 2019 that his office had finally turned its evidence over to the DA. Danny Goodman, uh, Danny Goodman Jr., who is the district attorney, said that this was the first time the actual case file had been given to his office. Oh, my gosh. So, and she went missing in 2011. So, it's just absolutely crazy to me. Goodman said... Quote, this file is very expansive. It actually starts from the birth of Karen Swift and goes to the date of her death. And it has information after that. 
It is a very large file, lots of volumes. It's going to take me a while to get through everything we have. Goodman said he would present the case to the grand jury if there was enough cause to issue a warrant. What do you need? Yeah, well, it makes you wonder why there was so much information in that file. Like, why would they need to go all the way back to when she was born? What does that have to do with anything? I guess just to see if she had any enemies, if there was some kind of, you know, problems that, you know, could have crept up now. Unless it was just an excuse so that they could say that that's why it's taken so long. Yeah, exactly. Well, sheriff's uh, detectives collected much evidence over the years and sent some of it to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation's crime lab in Nashville. Box said he also brought in the U.S. Secret Service to help with this case. I mean, that's unprecedented. Yeah. Most of the evidence cannot be released because it's still an open investigation, but Box said that He's willing to release it, you know, after the case is closed. But he also said one thing he's willing to release at that time is that detectives examined the GPS tracker on Karen's phone to determine exactly where she went after the Halloween party. So they did, you know, release some of that. Detectives searched the home of Karen and shared with her family not once, but at least they examined her house that she shared with her family, not once, but three times over the years. So, uh, you know, and I understand a lot of times you go back, you might have heard something and you go and look up something else, but three times in nine years. Yeah, but didn't he move away? Didn't the... He did. So who was at the house? Who had the home that... It has been bought two times since they moved out. So the it's got a second set of owners. And they were so, going in and, and investigating when other people were living there that had nothing? Living there. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And I understand a lot of times you go back, you might have heard something, and you go and look up something else. But three times in nine years. Yeah, but didn't right. he move away? Didn't the... He did. So who was at the house? Who had the home? That It has been bought two times since they moved out. So the, it's got a second set of owners. And they were so, going in and, and investigating when other people were living there that had nothing? Living there. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I don't understand it because it seems like everything would be contaminated. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what they were looking for at that point in time. Right. But it. It leads up to it because the public was talking about it and so interested in the case. uh, The Dyer County judge sealed um, the evidence related to Karen's death. It was actually sealed and there was a claim that it was not supposed to be uh, subject to the Tennessee Open Records Act. So that's you know, that's what shocked me that Burton was able to get yeah. the autopsy reports, you know, yeah. because it was supposed to be sealed. That's where he got the 17-page autopsy. Now, get this. You know how I said there was no defensive wounds? 
Burton said that the autopsy reveals that Karen died from a hit to the front of her head, most likely with a hammer. Oh, my gosh. No defensive wounds. And, you know, Stagg said this was a personal crime, not a random crime. Now, the autopsy also said that she was clad in a pair of black underwear and they were pulled down her thighs. But due to the decomposition, there was no way to tell if she'd been sexually assaulted. And uh, is, it your, remain- is it your belief that she left the house by herself when she left in the middle of the night? Do you think she she got in her car and then somebody followed her? Or do you think she was not alone? I think she was possibly going to meet somebody. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that scandalous stuff comes up, too, that during that it party. Does. Mm, it does. Let's yes. get through it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it said that um, her body, her remains, was in a very unusual position and were skeletonized due okay. to decomposition. Her toxicology report, however, came back clean. No signs of alcohol or drugs in her system. You know, I'm surprised because she was at the Halloween party. You know, I would be having a glass of wine. I'm having one now. So. Oh, yeah, um, 100%. That's what I was thinking when her daughter wanted her to come pick me up. I'd be like, uh, <laughs> call your dad. <laughs> oh. uh, there was, they don't say what it is, but they said that there was evidence recovered in her hands. Oh. But I don't know what it was. So I wonder if she had some of their hair, part of the clothing, or something like that. Yeah, I bet it's some so, DNA under her fingernails uh, or hair or something. That's what I'm thinking. Um, but get this. You know how you said it's always the husband? Yeah. Well, the first suspect was not the husband. Oh. No, 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 no. It was a man named John Hogshooter of Dyersburg. Oh, yeah. He had been arrested for um, aggravated animal cruelty, which just makes me sick. Well, and the irony, Uh, his last name's Hogshooter. (laughs) Like, of course, he's into animal cruelty. He thought it was his destiny. (laughs) Exactly. You know, get named for the job you want, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, But it said that um, he was arrested for aggravated animal cruelty while investigators were searching a wooded area on Harness Road for evidence of Karen's disappearance. So they arrested him after Karen had disappeared. Hawkshooter allegedly poisoned two dogs, one of which belonged to the Swifts. And he was arrested and his vehicle was impounded. However, there was no DNA evidence, no evidence that could be found that was connected to Karen. So then, like always with most investigations, Karen's husband, David, was the primary person of interest. Karen and David had been married for 22 years when she was killed, but their years were not all perfect. They were not a picture-perfect marriage. They had been unfaithful, but they both denied abuse. They had married once, divorced, and then remarried. And Karen was asking for a second divorce 20 days before she disappeared. Heather Cohen Rawlings uncovered in her investigation 
two men that Karen had had affairs with. So uh, one man was very open to Heather about his affair uh, with Karen, and he even told her he had been questioned by the police and ruled out as a suspect. But, you know, with all of this, the affairs, you know, the going to the parties and stuff, none of these things actually meant that David killed Karen. But David didn't do himself any favors either. So um, Dyer County Chief Investigator Terry McCreet finds that David's behavior was both uncooperative and suspicious. Now, I try not to um, judge someone or find someone's guilt or innocence based on the grieving process, but David Swift was very sketchy. Yeah. Well, and and everybody knows that people are going to be under a microscope like that when their spouse or some family member, somebody close to them passes. Like that's that what you would not do in the rule books <laughs> if you exactly. don't want to be accused. And with knowing that his wife just passed away or had just been found murdered and they found her body six weeks later. And he didn't help go look for her he or anything. He didn't go help look for her or anything. Because yeah. uh, he knew where he, she was. <laughs> McCree said he's never assisted in searching for her. I mean, he has never assisted nor has he offered any help in trying to locate her at that time. Um, he added that Swift never even called to check on the status of the case. Yeah, you'd think the kids, if, especially the boys, since they're older, if they were like, Dad, what's going on? Why, why aren't you finding anything out? Why aren't you calling them? I'd be at the police station 24-7. Exactly. You know, I, that, that was sketchy. That was alarming to me. Then he ups and moves to um, Northeast Arkansas. And remarries. And he's remarried and was living in Alabama a couple weeks ago. So Swift's attorney, yeah, he went and got an attorney, said that there was more to Karen than what the public knows. And he didn't want to, quote, speak badly about Karen. But there were some things going on that were quite unusual, end quote. Huh. So he, he called this case against David circumstantial. And while the um, Dyer County Sheriff's Office was careful not to call David a suspect, they did search his home three times. For his part, Swift went ahead and hired the high-profile attorney, Steve Ferris, and he refused to talk to the police or the reporters. You know, I could not um, imagine so living with my soon-to-be ex-spouse like, I can't imagine how that looks when like, you just sit down to breakfast. Like, yeah, I hate you and we're going to get divorced soon. Like, that's awkward for the kids, too. That's what I'm saying. The little girls were seven and nine. So, yeah, you they know, know what were they on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kids know it. They know what's going on. They do. Well, Nashville, Nashville-based private detective Heather Cohen Rawlings Till Fox 17, she thinks that um, Dyer County Sheriff's Office, you know, targeted, had tunnel vision on David the whole time. She wanted to take a fresh look at the case with no preconceived notions. She came in, started investigating this. Nobody was paying her. She did mm. this all on her. Wow. Yeah. 
exactly. And as far as the case against David Swift, um, Rollins' investigation found that he had just had surgery and was on crutches when Karen was killed. So when David discovered his wife was missing on the morning of October 30th, 2011, he called friends and family uh, and asked them to go locate her. He reported her missing late that afternoon, the 30th. Karen had reportedly also gotten into an argument with a married woman later identified as Dina, I hope I'm saying this right, Quittermus. Yeah, let's just say Q. We're just for the record. We're just (laughs) going to say Q. I'm not going to try and say that last name. (laughs) (laughs) So she got into an argument with her at the Halloween party. A week and a half later at the country club, security cameras were stolen. So after this party, whoop, there goes the cameras. So who steals security cameras? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) The whole town's in on this. Exactly. So uh, Rollins, Cohen Rollins, said that Karen had been in at least two altercations with two other women. So you might be asking, who is this Dina Q and what does she have to do with Karen? So this is where I just went down another rabbit hole and got to researching her. And a West Tennessee attorney was charged with extortion eight years after Karen's death. He said that he's done nothing wrong, but the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations believes that law, uh, lawyer Charles Sam Kelly Jr. tried to extort money from a Dyersburg businessman in connection with the unsolved murder of Karen Swift. Kelly left court proclaiming he was innocent. Prosecutors say that Kelly and his co-defendant, Mark Morgan, tried to extort $25,000 from Daryl Sales and his family. His family includes Dina Q. She's his daughter. The Sales family owns several McDonald franchises in Mid-South Tennessee area. Um, And for years, there's been rumblings that the Sales family was somehow connected to the 2011 murder disappearance of Karen. And some speculate that this argument that took place between Dina and Karen was over rumors of a relationship between Karen and Dina's dad. And this whole thing got really messy um, okay so i i'm getting lost in the all these people who was dina q's dad daryl sales the man that accused the attorneys of extortion okay mm-hmm. they were saying that these attorneys were trying to get twenty five thousand dollars to keep quiet the evidence that they had on them involved in karen's murder Okay. Okay. I gotcha. Mm -hmm. So, um, like I said, there was lawsuits, rumors, accusations. Soon the whole community was divided. You were, you know, you thought some people were saying that, you know, Karen's affairs got her and stuff like that. Well, my thing is whatever you do, you can be promiscuous. You can be having, two or three, four affairs, it doesn't mean that anybody deserves to be killed, beaten the head with a hammer. I'm sorry. You, yeah. There's no, no excuse. 
Mm-mm. On the tapes that were played in court, uh, the co-defendant, Mark Morgan, who was um, one of the attorneys or investigators for the attorneys, claimed to possess information that Sales would not want the FBI to have. Now, remember, Sales owns all these McDonald's, McDonald's. so he's very wealthy in the community. Yeah. Also on the tapes, Daryl Sales said, as part of this deal, he wanted Morgan to get information on the private investigator, Heather Cohen Rollins, who was independently investigating Karen Swift's disappearance and murder. So that's when Karen popped up and told the media, you know, I think they need to look into why he would pay $25,000 for information on me. I feel like that's a threat to my life. Yeah. And she was having an affair with him? That was rumors. Yeah. There was rumors. Some kind of relationship going on between them. And Dina didn't like it and confronted her. There was actually a photograph that um, I believe it was on Heather's page uh, that was taken at the party. And you see Dina and Karen in the background of whoever they were taking the picture of. And people were saying they were arguing in that picture. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Lots of drama going on. Lots of drama. Um, So, Then Kelly, the attorney who was being sued by sales, comes out and says that what is being lost in all of this is Karen's case. You know, um, it still remained unsolved at that time. And on the stand, Daryl Sales said that he and no one from his family had anything to do with the Swift murder. Um, He wouldn't say much when he left the courtroom except that we're happy. Kelly's final comments to local 24 news said, I don't need their money or want their money. That's all I got to say about that. Kelly had been an attorney in Dyer County for 25 years and never had a bar complaint. Um, Kelly was also the liaison between sales and Morgan. So he was, you know, trying to make peace with them Hmm. at one time. So on the tapes, they say you can hear Kelly drew up an employment agreement trying to document the transaction between the parties involved, which is why he says he was not extorting. Prosecutors, though, said it's clear extortion, pointing out several times that Kelly referred to the agreement as, quote, protection. Hmm. So Morgan waived his rights to a preliminary trial. His sales appeared agitated at the Cohen-Rollins tapes that were played. The state argued that under state law that no information or money had exchanged hands. Defense attorney Jason Creasy went on the record as saying that he would say that the sales family had nothing to do with the murder of Karen Swift. The judge agreed and bound Kelly's case over to the grand jury. So I have not been able to find out. I knew it was postponed or delayed at one time, possibly because of COVID, but what that whole end resolution to this particular case is, but it all surrounds Karen's disappearance. Yeah. Yeah. I used all this because it does 
fall under the cloud of Karen's story. And one more interesting fact, Heather Cohen Rollins noticed uh, noted on her website called Justice Warriors that that McDonald's was torn down not long after Karen's disappearance. Oh. Yeah. And many in the case, and if you go on her website, the Justice for Karen Swift website uh, on Facebook, many are saying that Hawk Shooter was Daryl Sales' right-hand man. Wow. So, you know, and Hawk Shooter was the one who supposedly poisoned Karen's dog and was arrested not far from where they found her. There's also an interesting statement given to Heather from the um, from Sales Babysitter. So, um, did you read that statement? I did. Yeah. Babysitter? Can you read that last clause that she, if you've got it? I have it. Um, well, it's all interesting. Very. Um, well, basically, they interviewed the babysitter, and I'll just kind of give the, the cliff notes of it. Um, okay. Do you know how old she was, by the way? Do you know how old the babysitter was at the time? I think she was, I'm wanting to say I saw somewhere where she was 16, 17. Okay. So she says on July 16, 2019, that she reached out to the private investigator, Heather Cohen, um, through Facebook Messenger, she wanted to talk to her about the case that she thought she might have some information that was pertinent to the case. Um, so they did speak for the first time. And um, she said that she babysat for the that cuter muses, whatever, the Q family. She babysat for mm -hmm. them on a regular basis. And um, they always were really good about letting her know when they were going to be home or if they were going to be super late just so that she knew in advance. But when she got there, um, the, the parents weren't even there. It was, um, Brittany sells the daughter of Darren sells the niece mm -hmm. of the cues, um, that was there caring for the kids. Anyway, she didn't bring an overnight bag or anything like that. Cause she thought she was going home at a normal time. And she ended up hearing somebody come home at five in the morning but she didn't see who it was and um, she didn't see the, the Q family until the next morning when they had breakfast together. So after that, on September or in September of 2019, she received an anonymous call from someone who instructed her to stop talking about the Sells family. Later, she was contacted by Detective Rick Gregory and Detective Glenn Cook from Dyer County Sheriff's Department, and they advised her to change her statement to say that she wasn't sure whether or not Bentley Q was at home on the night of October 29th because she did not go into the bedroom, so she had no way of knowing for sure that he wasn't there. And the detectives also advised that she disassociate with Heather Cohen and make amends with the Q and Sells family. So she said she spoke with the district attorney after speaking with the detectives and that the statement she gave to them reflected the change in her statement that she was advised to make. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Why would she lie? Why would she have exactly. any reason to lie about any of that? Exactly. I think everybody should be raising their eyebrows over this. 
Yeah. Why I mean, would the detectives come in and tell her to change her story? I could see if she was implicating him saying it was him, but she was just saying, I didn't see anybody until the morning. I heard somebody at five in the morning, but I didn't see anybody. And, yeah. you know, money and power can do a lot of things. Yeah. A especially lot McDonald's. McDonald's makes a lot of money. <laughs> I know. Not for me, but yeah, well, <laughs> they crazy do. that they tore it down right after she I went know. missing. Ooh, yeah. That's yeah, sketchy. It's very sketchy. Um, after this, the case seems to go cold. Uh, only resurfaced on her birthdays, the anniversary of her disappearance. That was until February this year, February 2022. Tennessee Bureau of Investigations agents were asked to assist Dyer County Sheriff's Department in a search at the victim's former home Tuesday, February the 1st, 2022. Again, this is the home that somebody else is living in now. Right, the fourth time. Exactly. There were no details released to the public, but neighbors and some media sources saw excavating equipment on the property. And it was, the excavators were digging up areas of the property. Later, there were leaks that a burn barrel had been found buried on the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, burn barrels are pretty common in rural areas. Um, David told Heather Cohen that they had two burn barrels and that pretty much they didn't pay for trash pickup. They would just burn most of their trash. So, and then Bert was talking with her and he said, you know, he knows when he was growing up that they had one. And after a long time, it kind of begins to disintegrate, fall apart from age and use and wear. So, you know, um, wondering if that's what happened and they just threw some dirt over it. You know, who knows? So anyway, I had, you know, the barrels make me question whether or not he did it. Um, Yeah, like I think the hammer might be in the barrel. That's what I think. It could be. It could be. So I have, you know, but I still think power and money do a lot of things. And like Heather Cohen said that she's not convinced that David did it. She's leaning more towards somebody else. Um, he was on crutches. Yeah, he was on crutches. And I hope that the family, friends, the whole community gets some peace now that we're, it looks like we're getting justice for Karen. You yeah, know, I'm going to keep our thing. listeners. Yeah, I'm going to keep our listeners informed on what's going on. We'll have to get Bird on here to see what he's found out. And he probably knows a lot more stuff than what I have uh, uncovered with all of my research. I mean, I've got stacks of papers where I've been researching this, but um, we'll keep everybody informed and, um, yeah, stay tuned. tuned. All right, people till next week. We'll see you at crime explorer shack.